0: Let's go, girls. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of She Does What. Finally, feeling better as the sickness of the winter got the best of me this time around. I feel so bad that our guest on this episode had to listen to this hoarse voice of mine. But As I listened back to the conversation with Sally in episode two, and as I was remembering how much I was holding back from having a coughing attack, I can't help but emphasize to you all that this is simply the result of the positive influence social media has today and how when used correctly, it can lead to relationships and conversations like the one you're about to hear. Though I was nervous to get on the phone with Sally, someone I've followed for a while but never met, once we said hello, it felt like I was talking to an old friend, so that was pretty cool. Sally is quite the busy bee and such a strong and inspiring individual. Just wait to hear what she has to say and all the things she has going on. I had such a great time learning from her, and I hope you all can take away something too. I'm sure you will. Before I let you listen to the good stuff, I just wanted to take a minute and say Thank you to everybody who is listening and sharing this podcast with your friends and family. If you do listen, please take a screenshot of the episode and DM me or put it on your story. I just want to see who's listening and hear what you guys want to listen to next. All right, let's not waste any more time and let's dive right on in to episode two. Hello,
1: hello. Hey, Sally, what's going on?
2: <laughs> Not a lot. This is all new to me. So I don't think I think the last <laughs> podcast I did was like two years ago. And I think that was still like, you had to be in
1: a studio. And like oh, yeah, actually be stuff. in person. Yep. Well, that's what I think is so great about this technology. I'm still learning this as I go. I just jumped right into making a podcast and came across anchor. And it's pretty easy. I mean, the quality is really great. Yeah.
2: And, and that was one thing because I have done one on the phone before and it wasn't it wasn't over an app. I think it was just on the phone and it had that like cloudy caller calling in kind of. Stuff oh, yeah. You merge the calls. <laughs> yeah. And,
1: yeah. I did one podcast like that and it was not pretty. So I'm pumped that I think this is easy enough. I hate to have to ask you ask you and my guests for all these instructions to do, but I hope it's easy enough for you. No,
2: that's fine. I'm sure other people will probably, I've been asked to be on another one and that guy kind of backed out on me last Friday, which was huh. fine. I had to meet with a client anyway, but and I can't remember what it was even called, but he probably was going to ask me to do the same thing or people will probably ask.
1: Oh, well, that's good to know that I'm not the only one. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get right into it. Um, so what, this is what I think is really great about social media is that I get to meet people like you, um, even if it's not face-to-face and just speak with women like you and heck, I'm in Massachusetts. You're all the way. You're in South Dakota? Correct. Yep. All the way in South Dakota. So, wow. So, what's South Dakota like? What Did you grow up there? Nope. I actually
2: grew up in the Twin Cities. Um, so, in Minnesota. And then I went to school out at USD. And after school, I got an internship up in Sioux Falls. And then eventually made my way out to Central South Dakota for a job opportunity um, out here. So, I've been here for now... Well, since college, that'd be eleven years, but out in Pier
1: since two thousand twelve. Wow. So, what's the state like? Is it pretty flat? Is I'm I'm tucked away in New England. I know nothing about what's going on <laughs> the other side of the country. It
2: um, you know, it's it's different. You would think the majority of what you you would think is it's like the eastern half. You know, if you think of yeah, South Dakota, North Dakota, it's the flat farmland. Um, a little bit of rolling hills, but mostly flat. But if you start to go where I'm at, I'm kind of in, like, the Missouri River Breaks. Okay. And so it's kind of like the regular big river, all the breaks and hills and stuff like that and cedar trees. And then you go a little bit further west, about an hour or two, and you start to run into the Badlands, um, which, if you've ever been to Mount Rushmore and all that kind of stuff, I have you start not... to get in... Okay. <laughs> That's when you start to get into the touristy area of okay. Drug and everything. And then you go another 40 minutes or so and you get to the Black Hills where uh, that's where Mount Rushmore is and Crazy Horse and all the things you probably heard about. But oh, yeah. Then it gets to be super, um, you know, it's funny because the highest point east, I think it's east of the Rockies is actually in South Dakota. Like, you see these huh. mountains in Pennsylvania and, you know, Kentucky, but actually compared to the Rockies, we're like, you know, after the Rockies, we're the next highest point <laughs> and um, wow. that's Harney Peak, Black Elk Peak in South Dakota. I guess it's got a couple different names, but that's um, where that's at so it does get pretty hilly and we do have elk out there and mountain goats and sheep. so cool
1: yeah wow now have you done all of those touristy things once you moved out there did you kind of hit Mount Rushmore hit the Badlands hit all those places you know when I was a kid
2: I remember we were I think it was we were on like a fall break in Minnesota and we went to Mount Rushmore for the first time and I actually really enjoyed it out here and I didn't really think much of it. It was just kind of like, oh, it was a fun trip. It was just like really cool. Scenery was cool. It was just different. And then I went to school out here. But I was in school in Vermillion, which is like far southeast corner. So you're basically in Iowa, Minnesota border. Like it's pretty much just flat farmland. Wow. And then once I came out here, I was like, yeah, let's do some more of those touristy things. We head out, <laughs> headed out to the hills. And we'll play tourist sometimes. I mean, it's perfect if you, if you live here to go in like March or October because there's, like, not, like, they're either tourists are not there yet, or they're right. leaving, so it's, like, you can kind of catch some things that are open with not many people around, and, and, yeah, I've been to Mount Rushmore probably, like, three, four times, and then, um. It never gets also, old. Nah, no, no, it, it really doesn't. <laughs> wow. I had never been to the, uh, lighting ceremony that they do in the summer, because I usually always hit it and off times mm-hmm. and so this summer I was there when they they lighted up at night and oh I was cool like, yeah it was actually really neat and I didn't know that they did that so
1: wow so is that like what up lighting that they have at the bottom of the yeah of the mountain wow
2: yeah it, it's just just different and so um but I've ran some I've done a few half marathons out there in the hills and it's it's different you're at elevation and so Um, you come back here and we're a little bit, uh, not much elevation. Then you go to Sioux Falls and the other side of the state and it's flat. (laughs) Wow. So So it's pretty
1: much of a range. You got quite a range out there. That's pretty cool. So I've been following you for a few months on Instagram. Um, and right away, anyone that does, will see that you're pretty multi-passionate. Have you always grown up with an outdoor lifestyle? Um, I have not. I was always interested in it and my family
2: kind of just did other things. They weren't against hunting or against guns or anything. They just We had other interests. Mm-hmm. And so we just didn't really, we were really into Minnesota sports, which is like the worst franchises ever, but we really enjoy our sports. So we just kind of were into that and I swam and stuff, but I just, I always liked outdoors and I appreciated the people who could you know, hunt and harvest their own game, and I always like a pre like that's really cool. But yeah, like I don't know how to get into it. I don't know anybody that really does it. But I always appreciated people that did, and that was just kind of how I grew up. And when I went to college, I kind of moved closer to a lot of people that had that lifestyle. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. You know, you just went out after class and sat in a tree stand. Like, oh, that's neat. You know, goals. I still didn't, I, yeah, I still didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, you know, someone has a deer hung up. Wow, you know, you shot that. That's really amazing. Like, that was just kind of my mentality. Yeah. But, I didn't really have anybody to show me. So that was just kind of like, oh, that's nice.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's great for somebody who you you weren't just introduced to it by your family, but you had that natural appreciation for it. That's hard to come by for sure, Mm -hmm. especially with social media and people taking it the (laughs) wrong way. It just, you could have a whole conversation about that. Yeah, that is true. What is it that really made yourself say, I really want to get into this, Um, picked up your bow for your first time because I know you're a bow hunter. Um, I've seen you did, you've done a lot of ice fishing. What has really kind of pushed you over the edge of saying, all right, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to go for this.
2: Um, I actually met my, well, now he's my husband, but he was my boyfriend at the time and he was already into this kind of stuff, everything, you know? So I was yeah. like, oh, I, well, I'm sure if I meet him, then I'm going to, ha- you know, be introduced to a lot of this stuff. And I remember him on the phone. We like kind of, right after we first met was like, you know, you got to be okay with all this stuff. Cause you know, some maybe wives or girlfriends are and they go do their own thing right and uh he's like you got to be okay so if like i want to go on a moose hunt in canada and you're gonna be stuck here you got to be okay with that now i'm like why would you ever go on a moose hunt without me <laughs> <laughs> i hope I he has back, yeah i hope i get to get brought along at least <laughs> wow not, and that's I-
1: a that's like a goal hunt people like wait years and years to do something like that
2: yeah, we haven't done that. That was just a hypothetical <laughs> extreme that he had. More like if I want to go ice fishing, you know, and you're sitting
1: at home, that's your own problem. Right. Oh, my goodness. I would be so upset. I'd be like, nope, you're taking me with you, whether you like yeah, it or not. Exactly. So. Wow, that's pretty cool. So you said that, now jumping back to you going to the mountains, you said you've done some half marathons. Is that correct?
2: Yep. I've done, I think, five or six. I wow. Can't, five, maybe? I've done two in the Black Hills, two in Fargo, North Dakota, and then one in Brookings, South Dakota.
1: Wow. And I saw on your Instagram that you are a triathlete? Yep. Wow. How many have you completed?
2: Um, I've done four. I'm still relatively new to the sport. I just got a bike this winter over New Year's and ordered it back in September, but it became assembled now over New Year's. And so I think my first race is in mid-April. I can't remember the date yet. I still got to sign up and everything. Oh, you're having your first one coming up? Yep, yep, and it will be – we'll see because it's about negative 4 degrees right now. Oh, my goodness. And the snow is still around and everything – because the swim's inside, but the bike and the run are outside, which – Wow. The, the run's not so bad outside, but to bike after you get out of a pool outside right now –
1: Wow, so what's that training process like? How's um, that been? It,
2: it's it's different. I used to just run quite a bit. Like, I, I've done one marathon in five halves, and I used to just pretty much run in from December through – the summer and I kind of take a few months off and now having to balance the three sports is, is extremely difficult. I found mm-hmm. out because I would do a couple things here and there on like kind of other strength and conditioning days while I ran, but now having to, to do, I usually can get two of the sports or two of the disciplines in, in a day. I mean, I could probably get more if I really wanted to just work out all day, but I don't want to do that either. Right. But uh, you know, so in the morning, like my typical morning is I'm up by four 30 and, I go over to our Y and get there about 5, 5.15, and I'll have a class. Like, to this morning I went to spin class for 50 minutes, which is a cycling class. And then I get off my bike, and then I go run upstairs. Not outside, obviously, because you can't run outside right now. But, but so, like, that's what I call a brick workout because okay. you, you, you butt up two different disciplines to each other. So you might do a swim and a run one day or a swim and a bike or a bike and a run. I like to butt up the bike in the run because that's the hardest transition for me. Usually you're the most tired. Right. So I like to do a lot of those. I do those about three or four times a week.
1: Wow. That is intense. <laughs> so that on top of getting into hunting, how did you get into the triathlons?
2: Um, well, I swam for the University of South Dakota. That's okay. kind of how I got out here. I was recruited. Um, the coach for the University of South Dakota, he was from my hometown in Minnesota. So he was recruiting a lot of people out this way. And so I got, you know, just kind of kept swimming because I've been swimming since I was nine years old and high school and then through college. And then I got out of college and I kind of just took off a break from working out really for like two years. I just said, I don't want to do, I've done too much. Like, I just want my body to rest for a little while. Right. And so I stopped and then I'm like, you know what, I kind of want to get back into it again after I was like, "Eh, I need to get back into shape. So (laughs) I started, I just started running a lot and just run, 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 run. And then I was like, I should probably get back in the pool because you know I did this my whole life and then someone's like you should start biking because you can swim and you can run wow well and the the hardest part of the triathlon people say is a swim but that's the easiest part for me so they said if you can run and swim then you definitely just need to get a bike and then you'd be a great triathlete so that's kind of how that all got pieced together
1: it's crazy that there's something like this out there that people just were like oh let's throw these three sports together and make it a competition that's it's quite amazing
2: <laughs> yeah, and then there's some like events, like they just do some crazy things, like they call it aqua bikes. Huh. So they're just swim bikes because there's a lot of people that hate the run. So they just do like swim bike races. Oh, oh I'm thinking, I'm picturing like bikes underwater, like you're above <laughs> water. I know. And then so I, I'm not a fan of the bike. So I said, Is there one called the surf and turf? Because oh, like, I perfect. just want to do the swim and the run.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect.
2: So then- they don't have that? No, I just made that up. But, but maybe, I mean, there's ones that do like, a lot of them do run bike run. There's some huh. of those too. Uh, they're called like dual, maybe not, I don't want to say dualathlon, but something along those lines, maybe some kind of weird term for it, but they do have at, at bigger races you go to, like a lot of different options for people.
1: Yeah. And it's more than just the, the traditional triathlon. Wow. So, I understand, like of course, when before you jump into a full on marathon, people do the half marathon now, is there something that's kind of a step below a triathlon or triathlon mm-hmm. that you can just kind of ease your way into it before going right into the full competition?
2: You know not really i mean if if you can run decent and like handle the harsh conditions of being tired and running, that's pretty much. I mean and swim and survive I guess right that's pretty much it I mean my biggest area that I need to work on is transitions okay. and you know I looked at my times after my third one because I actually timed my transitions I've been to some pretty like basic ones where they didn't time it and I was like I had the slowest bike to run and I felt like I was going fast I'm like oh yeah put my shoes on get here. <laughs> and I was like I was the slowest out of a hundred people like something needs to change here because I got Fifth overall, I think, in women, <laughs> and I was like, hmm. So then I look at those, and that's where I've been doing a lot of my improvements. How can I make my transitions faster? You know, um, this little things here and there that I'm not familiar with. Like I know right. how to better my run technique, I know how to better my swim technique, but I've never had to transition quick and get out of the pool really fast or get out of the water really
1: fast. Yeah, so. that's a whole sport. I feel like in and itself, just taking shaving off little pieces of your transition will really I feel like affect your time overall
2: it will and that's what I'm slowly learning as I'm you know getting into my first full circuit season because I've done I did a couple years where I only did one and then I did two last year and I was going to do a third one and didn't and now I'm going to do a full circuit this year which is like your top four best tries are um, scored and there's like a point system and so uh-oh. I'm going to be in the full circuit this year so yeah I'm like oh it's already mid-February next
1: week. I should Full sure swing. I get...
2: Yeah it's getting closer and closer.
1: Wow so how long is each how long is the bike how long is the swim and the run?
2: Um, There's different categories of tries so you'll see sprint which is like a lot of you know what local events put on or um, smaller ones it's just usually like a five to 700 yards swim, mm-hmm. a 12 to 14 mile bike, and then a five K run and three and a half mile run somewhere around there is, is usually a traditional sprint. And then there's Olympic distance, which is obviously the distance you'd see in the Olympics and at national events. And that is, I think it's a 1500 kilometer, or no, excuse me, not kilometer meter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, I'm trying to convert that to yards in my head. It's about a mile <laughs> swim <laughs> roughly. Wow. And then um then it's I think twenty six miles on the bike. I know somebody else to correct me here. And then the run is a ten K. I know that for sure. So it's like kind of double pretty right. much. Um and then there's of course the Iron Man and the half Iron Man,
1: which is <laughs> crazy Oh, for my crazy goodness. People. Yeah, you know, I'd I like to do
2: it someday, but
1: that it's really amazing what you can get your body to go through. It's like you really just push it to the limit. I mean, there is no limit. I feel like your body can really do anything.
2: Yeah. I, I found that out even in a marathon. I mean, I know that's not an Ironman, but... It's more than I could do. <laughs> that's for, for sure. <laughs> your body will do some things. It's your mind that shuts, off, shuts it off. Your body will keep going for a long time if it needs
1: to. Wow. How did you train your mind to kind of overcome that and get into something like a tri? Um. You know,
2: a lot of it, I just... It's a lot of positive people that I'm around that I train with every day. That's huge. I just try and have fun. That's always been my goal since I started even in swimming is just be happy to be there because there's so many people that can't walk or would love to be there or are injured. And I'm so like, just true. be, be happier there because there's people that would, you know, wish upon the world for themselves to be able to do it. So that's what I always think about. No matter how bad you perform or you get a leg cramp or what whatever happens, you know, you're still there and you still competed and you're still part of a certain percentage of people that can do this and that choose to do this. So that's kind of how, what always keeps me going is like, you got to end with a smile on your face. Is, you know, I tell my husband every time I might look like I'm going to puke, but I'm still going to probably laugh
1: <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I love that. And it's so true. If you, if you stop having fun, then it's just not worth it.
2: Exactly. And I, I haven't got to that point yet. So, and my parents are very good about when I grew up, just kind of taking a step back and letting right. me want to go to practice letting me do everything and I think that's what kept me going and kept me motivated that you know it didn't put any pressure on to where I, I had negative thoughts and then didn't want to continue doing it and same thing through college so if you are positive about anything it makes things a lot more
1: fun that's such a good lesson I totally I totally agree with that now you obviously are fueling yourself so well with these like grueling competitions with these triath- triathlons and hunting and you share your meat that you're preparing with your followers, do you harvest all of that on your own? Um, yep yeah, we
2: we have brought a few things to some butchers around um, Pier area, but for the most part, we like we harvested I think six deer this year Wow and so in the beginning, we cut up a lot of it right away, and then we had so much jerky and so many things that we kind of had to back off a little bit and we got through that, and then now we kind of did another batch, and then we've got like two more bags of meat left, which is probably about one deer left. I guess you could probably say, um, relatively speaking this time, because they're all different, you know, different cuts and stuff and, right. in a bag, but I bet we have about one deer left. So we go through, um, pretty quickly. And then we do share it with, you know, some of our friends and, and all that kind of stuff too. So it's, it's nice and people appreciate it. And definitely at least They might not have a negative view. I mean, maybe they don't ever have a negative view of hunting or anything. But, you know, if you can share that and share it positively with people, too, I think it definitely helps spread a good word about the hunting community.
1: Yeah, that's so true. And I think just keeping it like, well, of course, donating it, but keeping it in your community and just spreading the word of what you're doing and how positive that is. It's it's such a good experience, not only during your hunt, but afterwards, it's all part Mm of it. Definitely. That's awesome. Now, are those all deer that you got in South Dakota? Do you guys travel much for your hunts? we don't and
2: you know i don't we we could but like where i live is like the center of where mule deer and whitetail kind of meet oh wow and so we could go five minutes one way and go get mule deer or five minutes another way and go get whitetail so you know that whole like oh this year i want to go hunt muley somewhere well we have you know like, it's just there's never really a reason for us to leave here because we can get so many different kinds of game and i got an antelope i shot an antelope this year and so did my husband and And we have paddlefish down at Gavin's Point Dam. There's so many different kinds of animals that we have here that we are so busy with that, that we don't want to, you know, either waste time and money on something else or when other people can have opportunities, we might as well just stay where we have opportunity. Uh,
1: So lucky. That is so amazing. It's just right at your front door pretty much. (laughs) Yep. That's really great. (laughs) Now go, if you go back to your Instagram, you see that you're, conservationist and you're a bow hunter a triathlete and also an investment professional now it seems like when i think of that that's a big corporate nine-to-five job but the way it seems like you live your lifestyle it doesn't look like you're cooped up in a pretty dull office no
2: no um basically and i'll I'll say what i can because i don't want to get on on our compliance issue side but oh yeah. um, yeah but for the most part my dad has a he's an um independent advisor Cool. In financial advisor in the twin cities and has had a firm for almost 20 25 years and so um i just had decided you know like i want to continue this hunting lifestyle i want to continue things that i can just do on my own in these triathlons and just making up my own schedule and this profession really allows me to make my own schedule obviously work from home have my office here you know, meet with people when it's convenient for them. And, you, right. know, if it's, you know, if it doesn't work out, that's fine. We can talk on the phone a lot. You know, we don't always have to be in person. There's so much electronic signature stuff going on these days that everything can just be kind of done wherever you're at. And so, um, so basically I'm an investment professional and I help help with the retirement and estate planning, all that kind of stuff, setting up, um, rolling over and doing conversions like you, like you really care, but
1: <laughs> doing <conversions laughs> nope, that's what retirement
2: I plans and helping people start investing. And so that's kind of, that's my profession, I guess you
1: could say. That's really cool. Now I don't want to overstep on any of the compliances that you're talking about, but do you kind of, do you speak with people from all over the country?
2: Um, Yeah. I've got clients from different, different States. I think I'm licensed in about four and I just started back in July, four or five. And I just started back in July. So that's, what's really nice is like, I can communicate with people all over the U S and and it's not just restricted to, like, kind of the olden days where you'd probably be knocking on people's doors, you right. know, here in the neighborhood. I mean, I've done that, too. <laughs> it's amazing what kind of uh, advertising you get when you walk around with your dog and, you know, you hand out business cards. People just care more about your dog, but that's okay.
1: It makes it makes them stop and pet him yeah, or her. Yeah, they're and... like,
2: oh, who are you? What's your dog's name? You know, just conversation. Started. Yeah, and sometimes those are good. I mean, I'm not going to go out on a day like today, but in the summer, I, I go out sometimes, just talk to people. but it, it is nice that you can connect with people all over the country. And that's just about like with any job similar to mine where you work from home, you know, it's, it's, you have that ability now with phones and computers and all that kind of stuff to, to connect with clients all over the United States.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so is that something that you would set aside? And I apologize if I missed this, but is this something you would set aside say a couple hours a day or is it kind of just certain, is it on a client per client basis when they need you? Um, It's, it's a certain
2: hour a day. Right now I'm actually still working a full-time job and this was approved until, until I can kind of get a little bit going more. Cause I just started six or seven months ago. Right. So eventually I'll kind of know when my dad kind of told me, he's like, you'll know when it's ready to, you know, quit your full-time job and do this full time. And then I'll probably have like set business hours. But then again, it's, it's how much work you want to put into it. If you want to work really, really hard and, you know, not take any time off, you're going to reap the benefits, but then, you know, you're not going to enjoy your time off. So it's, you get paid what you're worth, you know, and what right. what you are worth as a person versus an hourly wage. But then again, you got to put in the time and do the work too. It's not, absolutely you know, easy. So
1: absolutely. Wait. So you're saying you work a full time on top of that? Yeah. Oh I'm a, my I'm goodness. an
2: extremely busy human being.
1: So what? What's that full time job?
2: Um. You actually, work asking. for yeah, no problem. I work for our state government. So I'm actually cool. with the Department of Transportation. Yeah. So it's been a really good experience. You know, I really enjoy being a public servant for the citizens of South Dakota. But At the same time, I was just kind of ready for a career change, and um, this is kind of was fitting with the family business, and so I think that, you know, it'll be, it's been a good fit for me. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy talking with people, and that's what I get to do. Yeah, that's um, awesome. More so than sitting in an office, so I like to be out in the community and helping people, so I think this is just a better fit for now, Um, but The time will come eventually when I have to just do the one, and I'll know. um, Obviously, not today. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully, in the near
1: future. (laughs) Well, that's crazy. I can tell you're very busy. How do you get? How do you devote time to training for tries to get out and shoot your bow, and then have time for the side job?
2: Um, you know, like I'm just trying to think. I I've grown up since I've been nine years old with swimming once or twice a day, and I think just having a Strict like daily regimen mm-hmm. has helped me. If I have a day where it's like a snow day and they're like, Oh, you can do whatever you want, and we're all snowed in, we're not I don't get much done. It's the days that I have to get up at four thirty, you know, I work out till six forty five, I go to work till four thirty, I work till eight thirty and I get so much more accomplished. wow I, th- I think of that discipline. And then like I have, I'll just, I'll make a plan in my head. I'm like, I've got 15 minutes to get this to this done. And then, you know, like, and so sometimes if you want to go shoot your bow, you know, you've got 20 minutes of sunlight left, you better go outside and shoot it. So I just, I, I find time. I mean, there's, you always feel like you don't have enough, but then, you know, on the weekends, I kind of chill out a little bit more and try and stay around home now that hunting season's done and, right. and get some home stuff done and fixing and remodeling and just all that kind of stuff that needs to get done in the wintertime. So I do have a little bit extra um, time on my hands in the winter.
1: Wow. I can't imagine where that time comes from. I really need, need to get this regiment down that you have. <laughs> so I know I jumped right into saying that you are a bow hunter, but was that something that your husband introduced you to? Or did you always want to pick up a bow over a gun? Um,
2: I think that... The- or do you do both? both. I, I do do both. I was um, a little more hesitant with the gun because I had never really shot a gun. I don't think until I was like 22. I didn't have anything wrong with them. I just right. I know I'm like a, a flinching person by nature. <laughs> like, I'm always like, a, uh, like you know, like I don't even like like popping a balloon. <laughs>
1: you know, oh my god! You
2: know? <laughs> yeah. And so I knew I was just going to be not real great just because of how I am. Like, I'm not really that scared of it. It's just a big boom, like whatever. Yeah. But so I just got in the bull part. And once I kind of got comfortable with that and like releasing an arrow and, you know, it, it you can appreciate something that also is deadly, you know, but you have to appreciate it and learn how to use it correctly and Absolutely. safely. And I think once I got that, things that are kind of scary and sharp and, you know, whatever can be useful tools and they're not necessarily meant to harm others right you know and I I had an appreciation I'm like okay I think I'm ready to pick up a gun and start doing this now you know and then we shot targets and stuff like that and and then I became more comfortable just like with anything that you use on more and more you just you know you you get accustomed to it and get more comfortable with it and you calm down and (laughs) you release a lot more less you have a lot less tension when you're using stuff so I think that was that was kind of the bow was just an easier way probably for me to get started it's quieter but you know you still have to. it can still be harmful too and hurt you if you use it wrong
1: right and it's definitely I think if anything I mean I've shot I shot a gun before I picked up a bow I only picked up a bow in late summer last year I think but immediately it was just so relaxing yeah and just having the repetition, and it's really, I think, if anything, that's almost better to start with, because you get comfortable really easily, um, at least for me, you get comfortable really easily with it, with, like you said, a deadly weapon, and then you can kind of go over to to a gun and understand the power behind it.
2: Yeah, I I just really like, I think it's kind of therapeutic for us, we'll go out and shoot together, and kind of chit-chat, and walk, and get our arrows, and this is kind of like more of a relaxing evening, and, and just kind of, I don't know, it's a couple's date, I guess, sometimes, yeah, that's so sweet. sometimes, but else, and... It's, it's just been a nice activity to do and, and to know how to do. And a lot of people around here, you know, if they're not hunters, they're usually kids are in four age. So there's a lot of people shooting bows and I think they're becoming a lot more popular again. I don't know if they, I started hunting in 2012, so I don't know if they're how hugely popular that they were before that, but I think they've just kind of grown now.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I'm, I mean, I'm just getting into the sport. So I think I'm starting to follow more and more people who are bow hunters. So, I mean, it's definitely new to me. And I think it is, it's, I don't know, a discipline that's coming back. I don't know what you would call it. Yeah. And it's
2: one of those lifelong sports. I mean, as long as you can pull a bow back and if you can't, obviously there's a crossbow action when you get older, but there's a lot of people that, you know, they do it into their, you know, late sixties for sure that they can pull it back or they haven't had too many surgeries. So it's something that you can kind of share with your family and do for a long period of time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, which one would you rather hunt with a bow or a gun? Oh, that's a hard one. It depends.
2: <laughs> Sometimes it depends on the animal. I mean, I really like bow hunting, but I really like rifle hunting too. Um, and I I recently got the one ten long range hunter from Savage, and that thing's just been a straight shooter. So it's, you know, I think I I can't even. It's hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard. I know I put you on the spot. It is yeah. hard because it's so much you know, fun just to be out there. I for the aspect of sitting in like a tree stand or sitting still, I really like. The bow, but for stalking, which usually is the opposite. For stalking and running up on stuff and getting set up, I like the gun, but for sitting still and having something kind of walk into you, I really like having the bow. Um, yeah. So it just depends on the hunt, depends on the animal, but I en- thoroughly enjoy both, but um, I do really like the bow I have so and I, I started with like a little bear apprentice which there was nothing wrong with but my husband bought me a cheaper one just because he said you know I don't know if you're gonna like this or not and right. we'll just try it out and then it turns out I really did after I saw a deer. <laughs> <laughs> we turned that into a bow fishing bow and then, and oh, then cool. went about our um,
1: getting so a
2: little bit more expensive bows after that.
1: Now bow fishing is that something you guys do pretty often?
2: Um, You know we've done quite a bit we have like there's like little marinas um along the missouri here and the missouri river is pretty big if you're familiar with it at all maybe maybe not but um there's like little inlets and stuff where carp hang out and tra- well, we call them trash fish but um, <laughs> they probably they have a purpose sometimes too i get it we'll have the lights on the boats you know at night in the summer and it lights up underwater and it's so cool you can see you know turtles kind of swimming around wow. like it just like makes it like a, an aquarium. Wow, <laughs> that's know. cool. Yeah, and then you can, you know, you'll shoot your carp and, and then a lot of people use them for fertilizer in their gardens and stuff. But, but that's what we, we do. And I it's a few times a year. It's not a lot. You know, there's so many things you can do here that some people are, like, really specialized in, like, all they do is waterfall hunt here. Right. And,
1: like, we try and get everything done. And it's just, like, you can only do it, like, once or twice a year at that rate. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I can imagine. It's There's so many things I feel like you can do out there. It seems like you're never going to be, never have an off season, really. Exactly. There's, and I think pretty
2: soon in the next few weeks is shed hunting, looking for antlers. So a lot of people will be out looking for antlers here in the next month or so um, once the weather warms up a little bit and some snow
1: melts. That's awesome. That's something I actually, I've I've never done, but I would really like to do. What are some things that you look for when you go shed hunting?
2: Um, well, when we used to live a little bit further out West, you'd look kind of where deer would winter. And so a lot of times they'd hang out in an area because there was, you know, somebody had spilled corn out there on accident or whatever. There's like, they tried to, you know, combine it all up and there was a bunch dumped out. So they will be huddled around like a food source and you can find a lot of sheds around there. Um, Otherwise, it's just kind of, they're always looking for food at this time of year. I mean, they're hungry, they're cold. So if you can find an area where there's at least some food around and some cover, sometimes they'll knock them off on their cover or whatever. And and so you can find them. I'm not an expert. My husband's the expert. (laughs) (laughs) I just trip on them and find them like, oh, there it is.
1: That being said, out of all of the things that you spend your time on, whether it be working or hunting, triathlons, what do you find to be I guess the most challenging, but the most rewarding, or maybe those things are different for you. Um, some things,
2: well, the one thing I did this year that was the most challenging out of everything that I've probably done is snagging paddlefish. And I'm not, and I'm not a huge, we fish, but like that's, we just don't have a lot of time to fish all the time. And so, um, we snagged at gavin's point dam for three days i just had to keep throwing this line out for three days straight and then it was like a four ounce weight on the end and then you just keep snagging and reeling it. oh days, my I was, goodness oh, i was so tired and i finally snagged into one it's on my instagram from back in october and oh, it wow. was just uh something i had never done before which is like in south dakota which i've kind of harvested most everything by now except for the elk and stuff out west but but, so that was something new that was a a new challenge that I kind of like fell in love with because it was you know you're next to all these other fishermen so you're kind of developing like relationships with them and if you get one on like they help you and it's just kind of fun more so it was a different kind of outdoorsy activity yeah so that was a new challenge that I had this year Um, as far as though I'm always up for a challenge so now it's kind of just keep putting in for elk and so we'll see that that will be challenging so i've heard so um that's one i'm looking forward to when that time comes and we might go out of state because i know it's a little bit easier to get a tag out of state because it takes like at least 15 to 20 years here
0: what so, even if yeah. you're a resident
2: yep and only wow. residents can apply yeah so there's not that many but i'm hoping the population's kind of coming coming back so yeah might be able to do it i think usually 10 to 15 for a bow and 15 to 20 for a rifle years. So, yep. Wow. That is crazy. Yep. So, I mean, I know that we could probably go over the counter in in Colorado or something and go, go grab a tag, but we're just kind of putting in and and we're doing other things, you know, and just getting our hunting seasons organized. We have so much stuff to going on here. So we just haven't had the the opportunity to go after elk, but I know that's a, a super big challenge that that's something that I'm not used to. But I, I, I think I'd really enjoy. But it's it's different terrain, different country, and right. whole whole different animal. That's a whole condition. different training process.
1: <laughs> I think that people have to endure too. Yeah, really train for that. So on top of your triathlon, you have coming up this year, and good luck. That's very exciting. Um, what's the next big? What's the next big thing for you? Um, on top of that, any hunts or events that you have coming up?
2: Um, I'm gonna be doing I think at least four triathlons, maybe one. Olympic distance I haven't done an Olympic distance ever so I'm thinking about maybe doing that which is basically twice as long as what I've ever done and then tentatively speaking maybe in 2020 I was like what year is it? 2020 (laughs) the next year um, maybe thinking about a half Ironman once I get used to my bike and and so that that might be in the picture but I haven't fully decided yet it's a lot of training behind it and it's a huge time commitment and we'll see where my job is kind of at at that point too
1: yeah definitely if the if the time permits absolutely. Yes. thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to watching you train um and following your journey if you get out of that job and can get into more time in the outdoors. If- yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. Awesome, Sally. Well, thank you so much. I hope to chat again soon
2: <laughs> thank you very much. I man, I feel like a woman.